Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. my friend we've both had a heavy weekend and i think my voice has largely come back but we've not talked that much we just hit the record button and dove in it is the wind up i am scott hilford you are josh brown how is he sounding how is he doing uh, hopefully okay i mean i did a Sounds voiceover beautiful. this morning so it better sound fine i've been absolutely <laughs> knocking back those lozenges like you wouldn't uh, believe scott hilford i have I mean, uh, neck and the strepsils. There's any sort of thing that will massage the old vocal cords who will uh, get me through. But we thought we've got uh, two wind-ups left for the year. So we're going to do a traditional one, if there is such a thing as a traditional Monday wind-up show at this point. And um, by grounding up all the different news items right now, we're talking about different leaks and stuff. Um, Splinter Cell, Ubisoft stuff, Henry Cavill's Mass Effect show, uh, potential Mass Effect show, um, and a few other things. And then next week, we're going to do a little bit different. We're going to sort of do a little thing. We'll do a little check-in about how we've, uh, what different things we've played, what different things we've experienced across the last year and a bit um, wider than gaming, talking about music, talking about movies, talking about different things um, that have just sort of got us by. But that's that's for next week. That's a, a celebratory Christmas style thing. Yes. Uh, for now, it's all things gaming. So let's talk about uh, Splinter Cell um, and the fact that Ubisoft are bringing this thing back. As of literally this morning, uh, when we record this on the Monday, they've uh, filed a new trademark for Splinter Cell. Now, it is literally just the name Splinter Cell. It doesn't have a, um, a subtitle or anything. So it kind of feels like a soft reboot. Um, and the general conversation around this leak is that it's going to be, and I quote, a more stealthy Assassin's Creed, which is kind of hilarious. That's what that's what Assassin's Creed used to be anyway. But um, <laughs> also implies it's going to be like a semi-open world thing or at least an open world thing. But we do also have, um, you know, comments from Jeff Grubb saying that from what he's heard, Ubisoft are taking influence from IO Interactive and Hitman, um, which would be the more ideal way to go. Just get a series of levels that you can access, maybe download, upgrade, uh, update rather, across uh, months after launch. And just give me little play spaces over time that I can drop in and do missions, spin a cell blacklist style. And one last thing to mention in regards to the trademark stuff is that they have changed some of the phrasing uh, on the newest trademark filing, uh, removing the term interactive multiplayer computer game. This is according to VGC and replacing it with providing an online computer game, which I hope means that they I mean, I get I would take I would take Spies versus Mercs at this point. I Um, definitely would. But I also wonder if the whole providing an online service thing means that they are going down the Hitman route, that it is just going to be ostensibly as many levels as they can do. Um, over X amount of time and just do it that way. I like the idea of that. You know, I mean, Hitman's just an unbelievable stealth series. And Mm -hmm. when this thing was like first, you know, revealed and stuff, all of the people were saying one of the big reasons why Ubisoft has put a new Splinter Cell into production Mm. is because they have a very bad image problem at the moment. and It's it's the worst. They're horrendous right now. Worst it's it's ever been, which I'm sure we'll get into in more detail in a second. But yeah, Mm. like they've they've essentially greenlit this to be like, right, this is what people have been asking for. Let's do this properly and hopefully win back some um, respect from the players or at least a bit of love from the players. Mm -hmm. And it's like they can't afford to mess it up, man. Like they can't afford 
afford to make this another crappy live service that plays like all of their other games. They mm-hmm. need to be looking, like you said there, it the giants in the genre that are doing this stuff perfectly. And Hitman mm-hmm. is a great example of, you know, putting a lot of polish into your game, focusing on stealth, focusing on the thing you do best, and then giving players loads and loads of content um, mm-hmm. around that. And if you do have an open world splinter cell where you have targets and it's just you kind of like getting through those levels, you know, ghosting past other enemies and trying to get the drop on them, mm-hmm. like that sounds good. That sounds like yep. what Blacklist kind of started hinting at in, in blowing that up and giving you more choice, hopefully. The thing is, like, if they, we talked about this before, but the thing is, whenever I think of an open world Splinter Cell, I just think of, do you know the old Punisher? And when, when Punisher first appeared in, yeah. uh, I think it was like this when he had the blue suit and it was the Punisher before he was known for being like the super gory, you know, torture man. He was just a dude with a blue suit um, who fired rubber bullets back in the day. And he used to drive around in a war van, the battle van, I think it was called. And uh, he had a little mate called uh, Microchip who would drive around. And he was in the animated series as well. And Microchip would give him a ring and be like, hey, there's a target over there. And he'd be like, cool. He'd whap the jetpack on and he'd fly over there. And he would do all that. And I can't not shake the idea that an open world Splinter Cell or an open world Sam Fisher would just have a little battle van. Would just be driving around. Getting... <laughs> I don't know how else you do it. Because what is he? how would you even make that character get around? Like, he's, he's not a vehicle, you know, familiar man. You give him like some drones to like sort of hang off of, <laughs> to fly and then off. you just sort of fly around like that. No, I know. I mean, maybe you could like incorporate village, uh, village. Maybe you could co- incorporate vehicles like mm. um, in Ghost Recon Wildlands, which is you know ostensibly a stealth game. You can it play it in stealth. Yeah. It wants to be sometimes. Um, so you could maybe incorporate that. You know, you could get the men with Ven in, and you know, have them Who's the men drive with around. Ven? That was a little peep show reference that I tried to. Tried no, to I knew I knew that, and I was like, is that that weird uh, Irish Viper lad that you keep sending me? I was like, maybe it's him. No, <laughs> Putting in you beans? Could, no, it's not. We, you could have a, you know, your, your man in the chair who's driving you around from mission to mission, or maybe it's just kind of like uh, the Hitman thing where, like, you don't need vehicles or anything to get around there. Mm. You just have these discreet kind of mini sandboxes that you can play around in. Maybe that solves all of the all of the issues right there. You, you would know? hope so. I mean, the thing is, like, do you... What, what was the... What, oh, sorry, when or what was the last time... I can't, I can't do two sentences at once. When was the last yeah. time Ubisoft gave you a game that was genuinely impressive? When was the last time you played something that you went, okay... I, it's not, I, I, either it's an execution on a formula that's solid enough, like Far Cry 6 is solid enough, but if we're talking about when was the last time Ubisoft wowed, when was that for you where you were like, oh my god, okay, this is really, really cool? Oh my, I've never thought about it in these terms, and just <laughs> rolling back the years is illuminating how much they have not done this over mm-hmm. the past generation. I don't think there's anything off the top of my head over the past generation that has wowed me from that Publisher, no. man like genuinely i can't think like i, I like me, watch it, dogs it, too you know yeah. i like far cry 5 but they didn't wow me in that way no the, the last time that i went like i'm really glad you guys made this is the ubi art stuff it's child of light and it's valiant yes, hearts yeah. especially valiant hearts um which obviously they tried for a couple of years and they, those games did well enough rayman legends would be another one where i was like this is genuinely mm-hmm. so impressive um but those were 2014 2013 like it's a while ago ever since they discovered the far cry formula the assassin's creed formula it's just been that over and over again um, and so like, I like that I like the likes of Steep and Riders Republic because it's something a little bit different. But like, yeah, they've not. I mean, that's the thing. I have zero faith in Ubisoft. Like, I just did a tweet being like, it is literally the worst version of this company trying to make one of the biggest returns, one of the 
biggest comebacks in gaming history. Like Splinter Cell's been yeah. away for almost a decade, um, and it, it for a while it was such a um, you know a totemic series. Like stealth as a genre was literally Splinter Cell Hitman Metal Gear, and if like Metal Gear's gone away, then it's about time Splinter Cell came back. But I I have yeah. less, I have zero, I have negative faith that they will get this right. <laughs> I think it'll just be some weird, open ended uh, the hodgepodge open podge. I think- you know, every time we talk about this subject, I'm sure Ben Roy always just says, um, you know, just rip off the Phantom Pain. Just rip off yeah. Metal Gear Solid Five, the Phantom Pain, yeah. and you'll have a great game. Just literally do that, Ubisoft. Yeah. Like, that's all you need to do. Rip off the Phantom Pain, change <laughs> the location, and you've got, like, the best stealth game ever made right there because and I guess that is how you do an open-world stealth game. Yeah, like, literally. Like, you know, something like Hitman. And you can carry over, like, the uh, mechanics from, like, Blacklist. Like, give me the mark and execute stuff. Let me find things on the world that let me, like, sort yeah. of, like, do other, like, unlock the split jump, I guess, and different things like that. And maybe have it so that, like, the version of Pequod in Spencer Seller version of the helicopter would just be one of those echelon uh, planes that picks you up, a helicopter that drops you off somewhere else. And you can just kind of take in a bunch of little pockets of enemies. I'll tell you this, you, you said something there that um, if, if they put in an upgrade tree to make me, you know, unlock the split jump or the split <laughs> You only get one leg first, because that's what you had in Pandora tomorrow, then you unlock the second I, leg. As my friend, go. I will be throwing hands, I would be. <laughs> I would not be happy whatsoever. Let's let's <sighs> move away from the Ubisoft skill tree. Unlock I'm, guns and weapons and gadgets, that's totally fine, you know, yes. at your home base or whatever, but nah, nah, don't make me unlock those basic abilities ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Barbie things. Okay, I'm, I'm literally gonna put it down that if they do do a split jump unlock, that I've called it. I've called it here. I think you'll get one yes. leg first and the second leg after that. I'm just calling <laughs> that now because that's what they did in Pandora tomorrow. He he eventually got a, a one legged split jump. Um, but yeah, overall zero faith in Ubisoft. But uh, I have to kind of hope that they'll uh, pull it around. Let's quickly talk about uh, Ubisoft Quartz, uh, which is Ubisoft very much getting on the NFT train. Which every single um, executive level person who's managed to actually do an interview with a journalist has said that no one really understands any of this nft stuff it's very much just (laughs) an opportunistic thing it's a buzzword it's something that's been sold to the higher ups in various um companies um and it's an easy way or potentially easy way to try and make money just off the literal philosophy of ownership just sort of sort of saying to someone hey would you like to pay to say that you own x visual x cosmetic x whatever it is but you don't actually own the license you don't actually own the code you don't actually own anything other than say that you own it so it's just like that whole thing which you know ubisoft got out there and launched their nft platform NF- uh, nft quartz i was gonna say ubisoft quartz and um, which got 95 percent dislikes on youtube so they immediately pulled it um <laughs> but it's still being talked about as a potential thing now i said to you a while ago i think it might have been on one of these podcasts um actually no, it would have been last year but uh you know as the sort of generation turns over and microtransactions were the absolute worst thing of the last generation and um, not that they went away altogether but i, I you yeah. want to hope that to some degree they've got more palatable minus 15 pound skins in halo infinite but i was always thinking what's the next thing that's going to come along and just throw everything out of whack again and it feels like this is the thing like ubisoft obviously took the first step but do you think there's any way that this stuff uh, like gets done in a way that's remotely consumer friendly eventually I don't think so, man, because like you said, you know, <laughs> it's coming from the higher ups and they've suddenly just gone, NFT is the future. This is what we're mm-hmm. going to do. And um, p- this is what the people want. It's like, who have you asked? Where have you got this information <laughs> from? What market research have you done? And it's just, it's hilarious that Ubisoft's <laughs> trying it, man, because, you know, obviously Ubisoft had a disastrous year last year with all of the uh, sexual misconduct allegations that mm. were coming out. We, we we hope that in the wake of that, they would try to rebuild. They would try to, you know, be better to their staff and be better to play 
players and they seemingly have not done that over no. this past year at all when it comes to the games especially you know they've had to do so many of these u-turns you know mm. like they announced that what was it the ghost recon i was just uh, gonna say that battle royale thing yeah that immediately yeah, again they, they pulled the trailer for that so oh, exactly. is this what you want oh it's not oh sorry like yeah could have done it better we were like, oh, we'll 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 delay that indefinitely now, and then they've announced this quartz gimmick, and they've got all of these downvotes. They've got actually maybe maybe not. It's just like who are they asking? Mm. Who was who was who was in charge? Also, the clown just, company. Just thinking like the <laughs> the clown car. They don't have, as far as I know, there's no Ubisoft characters in Fortnite. I don't know why I just thought of this, but I was just thinking like, do mm. they even play well with others at this point? Because like they must have been approached. They must have had a conversation with someone from Epic, going like, look, we're gonna get Kratos in. We're gonna get. Mass to chief in do you want Ezio to be in there do you want rayman to pop up in there and like as far as i know there's not any ubisoft characters in fortnite and yet there is everything else you would think that they would that ubisoft would be on that stuff but they seem to be all entirely exclusive they're entirely just like yeah. no we are we are the big deal we know what we're doing yes well i mean yeah i mean that's why they're trying their own hero shooters you know mm. starring there what about that you know, as well extra fine yeah. yeah, yeah, lots of bad stuff, man. Um, <laughs> but even the, the characters you mentioned there, why why not get Ezio in, etc., mm-hmm. etc.? Why not get Sam Fisher in? They're mm-hmm. decades old at this point. Yeah. Like they've they've got no new memorable characters. They keep trying to push like some of the operators from Rainbow Six, which I guess are memorable, but they're not really you know characters no. per se, really, mm-hmm. in the same way that Ezio made an impact, you know, in the mainstream. Mm-hmm. And it's like they keep trying these new things, but they've. They've got like no identifiable in, you know, mascots isn't really the word, but for mm. lack of a better term, they've got none of those like big hitter mascots anymore. Mm-hmm. And the ones that they are kind of like pulling back to are the likes of Sam Fisher to kind of win back, you know, some fan love, like I was well, saying. Fisher, it's just, like, strange. That thing feels like them going like, we're in a horrible place right now. Like some, yeah. someone somewhere has managed to sort of nudge enough executives to be like, can, can we do it now? Can you let us do it now? Like this, you know, and try and sell it on the optics of like, this will be an upswing. This will be something that people will yeah. like us for. Um, and the response of, you know, finally getting a new Splinter Cell, like ostensibly confirmed at this point, um, did go down largely well and has been the only positively received thing in recent history with them. Um, but there is just the reality of everything else about that company just being a bit of a fire. Like, it's yes. just going to take yeah, some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, and, and I'm telling you now, I'm telling you now, Scott Tiffin, <laughs> NFTs, NFTs aren't the water that you want to be putting on that fire, Al. No. Just, it is not. It is absolutely not. They will absolutely try. If they must, if if, if if Ubisoft Quartz comes back, they will 100% sell uh, Sam's green goggles or a certain shade of green for oh some stupid premium price. Because um, that was, I forget which, ex- I was talking about this with one of my friends yesterday. There was an executive who said, um, imagine a world where we sell you Mario in Mario Kart and only you can play as mario and he thought that was the best thing ever and i was like that's the end of the world right there that's actually the that's the literal end of art you've managed I think to you're right yeah it. it's yeah it's the it's the end of culture it's the end of human <laughs> existence that you know when, is just um, yeah man i we hate mentioned this on the on the uvp but remember when um bethesda tried to trademark the word scrolls and like and oh, king tried to yes. trademark the word saga it's just that like that yeah, well, large i mean we're literally in the era of take two um, you know, trying to ban it takes two uh, for ha- from having that name because it kind of is similar to it, and I'm pretty sure they're doing it with Rockstar as well. And it's just mm-hmm. like, 
what what era are we going into man like it's the end of 2021 and 2022 not to get too down on it but mm. in terms of video games and companies and how they work it's it's, it's looking bleak it's, well, it's, just, looking it's that it's that like rude. endless like i want i want to own everything and give me all of it i want to own this yeah. this this word it's mine like i'm just gonna have all this different stuff i remember like bill burr pointed out that the uh the owner of nestle i once said that he wants to own the water and it's just like brilliant <laughs> it's, it's just sort of <laughs> like rushing out the way water's used um but like yeah i think it just it feels in this space it feels like this extension of um you know branding and franchising and just being like we're going to try and own every last permutation of this given thing and then let you buy parts of it so that you can also have that feel of owning stuff because there's a weird there's a whole other thing to break down about i guess the the philosophy of ownership and and, and entitlement in gaming and why people buy into this stuff anyway um, and just selling you or monetizing that feeling of just sort of like oh if you mon- if you if, if nintendo ever did sell mario as an nft the person who had that would feel a whole bunch of emotions and i think that's yeah. the thing that um you know in the corporate world they're like well that's an incredible price tag that we can attach to that um, which is a, a really horrible thing to meet out over time it's kind of fortunate that nintendo are like five years behind everyone else because <laughs> they would go mad with nfts like they went mad with like amiibos and stuff you know uh-huh. they would be like oh, I love amiibos. They, they love anything with like like uh like artificial scarcity don't they mm-hmm. so they'd be Oh man, you, you're right. I, I don't want to. Nintendo, if they do go in on NFTs, they're going to be <laughs> all ass in on them. They, thankfully, I mean, they've not even got a sort of like barely functioning voice chat on the Switch. So it's not, they're a little, <laughs> they're a little while behind. They just added Banjo Kazooie uh, N64 game to the Switch online service. So we got a little while yet before all this stuff comes to uh, full fruition. Um, next big story, though, is Henry Cavill saying that he's interested in Amazon's Mass Effect TV show. Um, he was asked about this during the, um, the Witcher press conference stuff, the season two of The Witcher. Um, and he said, it all depends on how they're executing it. He said, the world of adaptation can be heavy or light. When I like a product, I prefer the adaptation to be less changed from the source, so it all depends. Um, but this obviously all this stuff is kind of all up in the air anyway because Amazon are still pursuing Mass Effect as a thing and um, it yeah. hasn't really been locked down yet. Um, but overall, what do you think about even the idea of doing a Mass Effect TV show? Because they'd have to they'd have to cast a shepherd. Like, assumedly that's why they yes. were talking to Cavill about it. Um, but it's like once you've like locked down a gender for Shepard, do you not arguably remove a hell of a lot of the appeal of that character? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates 
fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it just makes hiring all in one place so easy because you just get unparalleled access to job seekers. Plus, listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash WCG. Just go to Indeed.com slash WCG right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash WCG. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, this is the big question mark, isn't it? It's kind mm. of like what uh, Cavill was saying there because, you know, he's talking about like how much you would change from the source material, how little you would mm. change. But when you adapt an RPG like this, you inherently have to make big changes because mm. I might look at how the TV show plays out and say, that's not how my shepherd acted yep. during that scene or that's not how, what my decision went like and stuff. And it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, there's a fallout TV show in the works as well. And I can understand why these two shows have been chosen because the world of Fallout, the world of Mass Effect is so rich with lore. People love it. You can make so many stories in those Mm. worlds. Mm -hmm. But if you're adapting more than the world, if you're adapting the actual games, that's when it gets tricky because they're RPGs, they're player-focused, they're player-driven. So much of how they play out and so much of their meaning comes from what the player puts into it. And there are stories that you can choose from there that would still be satisfying, but I don't think they're games that you can use and then please everyone with. It's not like a straightforward thing like The Last of Us, for instance. When that Mm. comes out, we can all look at how the story went in the game and how it went in the show. We can make direct comparisons because we all, by and large, had the Mm. same experience. With Mass Effect and Fallout, completely different, even down to something like Henry Cavill potentially being Shepard. I can look and be like, well, I was Fem (laughs) Shep. You know, like that's... Yeah, yeah, you're not. You know, it's just... There's so much minutiae and so many different details that have to be taken into account that mm-hmm. it's not a job I envy. Adapting an no, RPG. I think, um, I forget what the name of the member of uh, Bioware was, but someone was on uh, Twitter saying it's, it has, it has, it's quite easy to make this cringe. Um, like If you get any mm-hmm. part of this wrong, uh, it just doesn't have the same weight, doesn't have the same feeling to the law, um, it doesn't have the same sort of sense of progression across that story. Um, I do wonder, though, if they pick from other stuff in the in the timeline. Like, I guess, like, what would you, if you were, if you were um, Mr. Amazon, uh, <laughs> which is literally Mr. Jeff Bezos, but I mean, just, just Amazon's creative <laughs> overall, and you're handed the keys to Mass Effect, do you even attempt to redo the games do we build back up to that stuff or do you do you do like the first contact war or something else entirely this is the thing right Mm. dude because i i think of it and i think it would be a mistake to adapt the characters as they were in the game and maybe you should just do something set inside that universe uh, maybe a side story or whatever or like you say a prequel first contact war or whatever you'd have to cast someone to wear like a garris mask or whatever which would be really weird yeah 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 yeah, exactly exactly but at the same time i think the reapers as a concept is almost too juicy to waste, you know, mm. to, to not do because mm-hmm. that's such a great driving force for the whole thing. You know, you can have the big conversation with, uh, you know, Sovereign and whatever. You mm-hmm. can have like all of these big moments, these huge stakes. And it's like, at the same time, I don't want them to just adapt the game, but the setting of the game and the thrust of the game is 
is like, well, if you don't do that, you're also kind of <laughs> shooting yourself in the foot. Like I said, I'm not envious of it at all. I think I like the idea of them because the, the thing is with like doing the whole, you know, like a uh, super powerful ancient space race is coming to wipe out humanity, whatever it is. That as a trope has been done a lot. Um, but yeah. I feel like Mass Effect was one of the originals to do it with a, a certain level of production that it almost feels like it owns it. And I feel like like it, you kind of can't say that certain things are Mass Effect adjacent because it just does that trope so well. Um, but yeah, I wonder if they you know they can do like an old something older in the timeline so you avoid the the casting of Shepard, have someone like Henry Cavill do the first Contact War, or do something like um, you know the Leviathan DLC in Mass Effect Three. Yeah, like you sort yeah. of do like uh, like the Proto Reaper stuff. You do something that leads into Mass Effect. Because um, I wonder how much um, Bioware are even involved in this stuff too. Like obviously they'll be involved in the licensing side of it, but they're right now planning whatever the hell the next Mass Effect game is too. And like the teaser for that showed a Geth, so it's just like, are we doing something? Are they trying to do something that is bringing the Geth back? And then the, the Geth are an iconic part of Mass Effect lore, so that also crosses yeah. over into the TV show. I guess just where are you are on Mass Effect as an IP. Like, does any of this get you like excited, or is it just like, well, I hope it's not terrible? I mean, it gets me excited. For- through the inherent fact of this is all I ever wanted when I was mm. like 15. Like right, I, right. I would search <laughs> weekly online to see I'm if more anything More than twice that age now, Josh Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would genuinely search all the time to see if a Mass Effect uh, film or a Mass Effect TV show was in the works. Mm. So the fact that it's finally happening, it's kind of like, ooh, I don't know if I would want it now, but mm. of course I'm going to be excited for it, especially after playing the Legendary um, Trilogy earlier on this year that got me re-excited about the franchise. But mm-hmm. I'm more just kind of like cautiously optimistic about the future now i hope the next game is good i hope this tv show is good and i hope it can reach the heights that it did in you know the early 2010s the way mm-hmm. Let's, um, that was else. The thing is as well, like you talk about we talk about like you know Amazon sci-fi shows. I'm really liking the Expanse. I put that off for a while, thought the production just didn't sell me on it. Um, but then I sort of just stuck with it, did a few episodes, and I was like, okay, this is actually really, really cool. I get what people like about it. It has a certain depth to it. There's a lot of different factional warfare stuff, and there's a lot more to that show than I thought. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, you look at something like the the teaser for the Halo show, and I think it's really easy for something to be um, sort of very synthetic looking. It's overly clean. I think in a world of four. Yeah. Yeah. resolutions and um you know very uh, very clean filming techniques that you like it's you never really get stuff that's gritty anymore or stuff that sort of feels believable in that way it feels like people in costumes whether in the witcher season one it felt like people in costumes in a field or in a forest and that's just mm-hmm. like for me that's one thing that always kills those kinds of shows so um i that's one thing that i'm curious about but we can roll in the halo show as well what did you think of the way the and um, the halo teaser looked i looked looked i looked okay. clean didn't it it looked clean. It Neil Blomp Camp had a better yeah. teaser back in the day. Oh, well, this is it, man. Like, like you alluded to there, you know, mm. a lot of these sci-fi shows, and granted, it's not my genre. You know, I'm not big on sci-fi TV shows. I mm. can't even name you one that I've watched to the end, for instance. But uh, <laughs> it, part of why I'm kind of like put off by them is because they all look the same. Like right. you said, like even if it's Halo, whether it's something else, like all these space set shows, like mm. you said, have a very like obvious look to them and have a shared look to them Mm. and it kind of i can't pick them out of a crowd in a way and i was looking at the halo thing and thinking i can't pick this really out of a crowd either Mm, and that kind of is a shame for a franchise well for the halo thing it's like well 
that's a pelican ship. Like I mean, they've nailed the look yes. of Master Chief, but other than that, it is still it's another very glossy, very clean sci-fi show. And it's just I think if this is a separate thing <clears throat> almost, but it's that whole thing of like I said, it's like we're in a world of like you know like hyper clean 4K resolutions, like trying to get to 8K resolutions, um, and people with massive TVs and everything. So it's like, well, do you need uh, a very clean looking show? Like there was that whole thing, or there is that whole thing about the way that Netflix will let people make shows, but you have to use specific cameras, specific lenses, specific color grading, because that's what Netflix sells. And I kind of wonder, as Amazon established themselves as well, um, and they're pursuing the likes of Mass Effect, they have The Expanse, they have Lord of the Rings coming up, and um, whether they'll also have that similar thing of like, well, we need it to be this clean, we need it to be this yeah. uh, you know, immediately visually impressive um, to the vast majority of people, and we can't risk having a level of grit or a level of uh, lens flare or whatever, because that detracts from you know working for the most people. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I, th- I don't think it's just a telly thing either. I no. think the MCU, for as much as I love mm. it, has had a negative impact on how films look. Because Very while true. I really enjoy the MCU, I don't like the way those movies look for the most part. You know, mm. I'm like, why does Spider-Man look this grey? Like, why is this not more <laughs> colourful and more exciting? And even though I don't, I'm not a huge fan of the DC extended universe, I like that they... It's more identifiable. Least, yeah, it's more identifiable. Yeah. They at least tried different things with how those movies are filmed, you know, the colours that they're allowed to get away with. It doesn't look as homogenous as the MCU. And I feel like we're seeing that in the telly space, especially mm-hmm. like you said, in the streamers where obviously they're <clears> pushing the big 4K stuff because they can um, sell you a more expensive um, subscription to make mm-hmm. you get that 4K um, look. And that for some shows, they can pull it off really well. But when it comes to something like, you know, as big as sci-fi and Mass Effect particularly is going to need a huge budget because the scale of that thing is off the charts. Like it needs to look identifiable. It needs to look as good as the games looked back in 2007. There's so many aliens to put in that. Like, there's, I mean, if you're going to yeah. do like uh, uh, craziest stuff like the Hanar or whatever, like you're going to have to do a big floating jellyfish, or like if you do like the main crew, you're going to have to have a convincing looking Krogan or something like that. Like, um, and yeah, I think they've got it quite a high bar to get over. And obviously, the, the deal hasn't been finalized yet as of recording. Um, but it's a it's a curious thing to try and adapt at this point in its life cycle. Like you said, if you were 15 when this got announced back when Mass Effect was still a huge deal, we'd be flipping out about it. But like, yeah. we're post Mass Effect three, we're post Mass Effect Andromeda, uh, Mass Effect is all all by all accounts dead right now we're waiting for it to come back anyway so i guess we'll see what happens with the tv side of things um some of the last things we should talk about is the matrix unreal 5 demo the thing that i feel like was the biggest um talking point coming out of the game awards it was released i think during the game awards but it kind of got tied along tied into that thing um which is the gameplay the very it's a free demo it's about 30 gigs big you can play it on ps5 or series x and it's just a full-on like interactive showcase of what unreal 5 can do and for me it well one it made me think of the getaway on playstation 2 i don't know if you played that (laughs) back in the day but i remember when that was like the photo reel oh my god this is what games can look like moment and i had that uh, in this thing because you initially do like a shooting sequence which is very close to the end of the matrix highway scene um yeah. back in 2005 or whenever that game came out um, and then you're just allowed to just roam around in the city for as much as you want and that's when the photo real stuff really hits you like you can disconnect the camera and fly around go around the rooftops and stuff um, and they've just they've recreated uh, mega city one or whatever you call the main city of the matrix um, and it's just a full-on showcase of what unreal 5 is going to be doing so my takeaway from this like obviously it, it plays gorgeously it's very on rails you just aim at different tires on the road and shoot out different agents uh, cars and stuff but it looks incredible the character models look incredible and i had this feeling where i was like 
okay, this is next gen. Like we're one year into the generation, but it, there hasn't really been that much stuff, if anything, that you could say this fundamentally doesn't work or won't wouldn't run on older yeah. hardware. When you look at this, obviously, I'm I'm using I'm, I'm hanging that on on the visuals, um, but the sheer visuals of this thing just are ludicrous. Like it feels yeah. like this couldn't be done on older hardware, and that warmed my heart as someone who wants new stuff. As someone who's just been going, can you stop releasing God of War on the PS4? I bought the new shiny thing to play new shiny things. And this is very much a new shiny thing. Yeah, man. Like I, I was blown away by it, you know, both <laughs> in terms of the character models and how they successfully recreated um, both old and young versions of, you know, the actors like yeah. Keanu Reeves, Carrie Ann Moss, all of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, like seeing it in motion, that's the thing that really blew my mind in the scale of it. You know, I what I love is big skyscrapers because i i okay. don't see big skyscrapers <laughs> in my daily life and no, i love true. it when um a game tries to make cities as to scale as possible it's why i really love the division one because that mm. had a sense of verticality that you just didn't really see in sandbox city games before mm -hmm. and when you get to walk around um this version of it and you see how vertical this city is how imposing the city looks i just thought that's next gen that's something i've not seen done ever in my well, life is, as well, well like, as this yeah like i was lucky enough to go to new york a couple of years ago and like yeah like obviously we're just we're just northeast england boys we don't know what this giant <laughs> city is like unless i see if you can go down to london and stuff but there's something about um you know like there's a there's a japanese term called uh, forest bathing where, where you get lost in a forest you don't know exactly where you're going you don't know exactly where you came from and you can just enjoy the forest entirely and get completely lost in it i love that term and like it reminded it made me think of that when you're in a massive city like obviously they're almost polar opposites if you're going to try and uh, invoke the tranquility of a forest but yeah. there's something about being lost in a big city in terms of, like you said, the the size of the towers, like there's all the reflections, there's the way that light refracts through different streets and stuff. Um, but for me, when I went to New York, I was like, oh my God, this is this feels incredible. Like it feels very filmic and things like that. And so when you play this uh, Matrix thing, it feels like being in a massive city, um, yeah. which shouldn't be the hardest thing to pull off, but you don't realize how much, um, you know, you need all those reflections, all that light refraction, all those ray tracing elements and reflections on the floor and the amount of people that are there as well um where once all those <clears throat> all those things come together it, it does have a, an elevating sensibility like it did make me go like okay this is kind of what um it felt like cyberpunk was going to be like when those initial conversations happened about like, oh it's the most realistic city you've ever seen in a video game and obviously yeah. corners had to be cut at some point to get that game out the door this feels like the most realistic city that there's ever been and i know it's a tech demo but it's a very very promising one for the future of yeah. open world stuff that's it. I mean, you know, we, we've we've been blown away by tech demos in the past <laughs> that haven't, you know, fully lived up to it. And I'm mm. sure whatever game was going to be using this tech is still going to be a good few years out yet. But it just it felt more tangible, probably because mm. we could play it. It felt more tangible than a lot of previous tech demos have in the past. And it, it felt like a proper vision of the future. Um, that yeah, that got me excited about next gen and next gen capabilities. What also got me really hyped is I think it was Mike Bithell on Twitter. Mm. I could be wrong about this. Someone he did, did he did a big thread about what it means for game development. Yeah, that's exactly it. What it means for game development and like indie game development, especially <clears> and how it's essentially going to like raise the bar because you've got like these you know photo real assets mm. that a lot of people can like pull from now and then tweak and change. And that got me excited too to see how you know Unreal engine 5 in particular is going to not only aid the very top of the pile like rockstar naughty dog and stuff but mm -hmm. how it's going to trickle down and impact you know every game that we play that was tantalizing well, stuff 
that's the thing. Like the the, it, I feel because like, obviously Epic get you know get a lot of flack. Like, but like obviously for being like the Fortnite people and the, all the Epic Game Store stuff and whatever. But they are they do ra- like a rising tide raises all ships, and the Unreal Engine always ra- raises that tide. Like as soon as the the software that's available to every level of game developer is this good, then you're yeah. going to see. A, I mean, the indie the indie scene has come on such a long way across the eighth generation. If they're going to have access to this sort of stuff, um, then that's kind of incredible. And and it and it's not about seeing a million different realistically rendered cities. I want to see what the likes of Mike Bithell do um, with this rendering tech, with whatever their imagination, whatever direction that takes them. Like, that is yes. fascinating. That's what, like, makes the gaming industry one of the most exciting things to watch unfold. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Unreal Engine 3 absolutely dominated the Xbox mm. 360 era. Like, that was in every single game. And while Unreal Engine 4 kind of, like, had its perks, especially in how, um, so, how accessible it was, mm-hmm. it felt like it never really reached that level again no. but unreal engine 5 like this demo it sort of feels like unreal engine 3 did back at the time you know mm-hmm. like this proper step forward that's going to define the generation and whether it does or not whether it's got some competition will uh, remains to be seen but it mm-hmm. just it just ooh, ooh it got he got it got my uh, skin <laughs> tingling a little bit i'll tell you that the thing is as well i feel what you call the um the design lead on this i know it was conceptualized i think by lana wachowski she was uh, talking um, oh, keanu right. was saying that she actually got in touch with them and uh, carry on moss and said would you be up for doing this and that's how they managed to get them involved but um the overall lead coder lead designer of the the game demo itself said they are going to be adding a combat model to it and they are going to be adding like more gameplay elements to it so i wonder if this just slowly turns into a matrix game like because it's got it's got, to, it's got driving to. already and you can you can walk yeah. around you can sprint um add some basic open world mission design and you can you can have a little bit of fun with it because like it's yeah there's there's a promising thing here that almost feels like a next gen matrix online like there's maybe a way to plug those things into um but yeah very very promising and there hasn't been a matrix game since path of neo and, and matrix online shut in 2011 so it's um it's uh, it's very promising but yes um thank you all very much for listening it's been the wind up we'll catch you next week for the last show of the year and i've been scott taylor joined by josh brown Goodbye, we'll catch you next time. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.